You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Are you guys ready for the word? Who's ready? Y'all ready for revival this week? Come on. You ready? You're fasting. You're praying. You're ready. You're ready to go. Amen. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. There we'll find the assignment for uh, this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Are you ready? And it reads, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, so it was when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. Someone say Jairus. Say it with a little more force, Jairus. Come on, say it like you had your coffee this morning, Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment. Mm. And immediately, someone say immediately, her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? Mm -hmm. When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw, hold on, let me just take a side note real quick. I got a little more time. We're in 11 o'clock service. See, when you, when you touch Jesus, something happens when you touch Jesus. Jesus always produces power and he produces change. You can't touch Jesus without being changed and without receiving power. Somebody say amen. Yeah, don't tell me you've touched Jesus if you haven't been changed and you don't have any power. Where is your power? You should be carrying your power with you to the job. You should be carrying your power with you to the university. You should be carrying your power with you in the parking lot. You should be carrying your power with you into the mall. Somebody say power. Yeah. I perceived power going out from me. Now, when, he, when the woman saw that she could no longer be hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Oh, that's good. I'm going to work that this service. Uh, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, uh, do not be afraid. Uh, only believe and she will be made well. Verse 51. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 53, and they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead, but he put them all outside. My God, another side note. Sometimes you got to 
put some people out of your business. You got to put some people out of your life. You got to put some people out of your situation because they're stopping you from getting the blessing that you need to get. You need to be able to isolate so you can concentrate on the revelation that God is trying to get you so you can elevate. Somebody say amen. And they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead, but he put them all outside, took the girl by the hand and called saying, little girl arise, verse 55. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Amen. My, my assignment for the next few minutes is to preach to you guys here in this room and the other five campuses from the subject, desperate measures desperate measures touch the person next to you and say desperate times we're in desperate times right now we need rain we don't need just we just we don't need natural rain as well we need spiritual rain as well we're praying for spiritual natural rain we need it all to show up we we, we need to be desperate for these things sometimes desperate times calls for Desperate measures. Amen. Let's pray. Awesome God, do your thing. Amen. Amen. I heard a wise woman of God say, you don't have to pray long when you live close to the throne. Amen. We can get it through real quick. Hallelujah. Mm, I felt the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, Luke chapter 8 is a fascinating book of the Bible. It's probably one of the most fascinating books that's written. It has lots of interesting things discussed in Luke chapter 8 that I almost preached about before I got to Luke chapter 8 verse 40. Uh, There's this story in Luke chapter 8. There's a few things that's talked about there that's worth mentioning. They they talked about this, the, the, the seed. It talks about the sower talks about the parable of the sower, how some seed fell by the wayside, some seed fell on stony ground, and some seed fell on, on good soil. Somebody say good soil. And, and, and it made me think that, 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 you know, it's not good enough just to have a good seed. Hello, somebody. It's not good enough just to have a good seed. You got to have some good soil. Hello, somebody. You got to have some good soil for that seed to go down into so that it can produce something. If you have no dirt and no soil, it's not going to do the seed any good. So it reminded me that it's not important. It's not just good enough for you to get a good word. You got to have a heart and a mind that's ready to receive that word. You got to be good soil. Somebody say good soil didn't want to preach that though I saw some other stuff in here Jesus is calming the seas and he's on the storm he's in the storm with his disciples and 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 things are going crazy and haywire and Jesus told them before the storm I'll see you on the other side and then they get out into the raging seas and the storms begin to rage and blow and and crazy stuff begins to happen and 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 it reminded and the whole thing goes down you know the story you know the pieces in between if you don't go check it out the the point is is that they actually 
actually made it to the other side. And it reminded me that if Jesus said it in the beginning, that means he's going to finish it on the end. You can stand on the word that he gives because if he said you'll make it to the other side, you're going to make it to the other side. It doesn't matter what kind of chaos or confusion or storms that may blow in your life. If God said it, he meant it, and you're going to get everything that he said. He shall accomplish everything that he said in your life until the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Then there's one more thing I just want to make mention. of: is this demoniac man. There's this demon-possessed brother, and Jesus delivers this demonic man, this, de- this, this demon-possessed brother, and immediately when he delivers him, he sends him back to the city that he came from. Interesting that Jesus saves him, heals him, and sends him forward. You mean to tell me that it didn't take two years? You mean that it, it didn't, didn't take five years for him to be an evangelist to a city? No, we serve a God that can do things immediately. We serve a God that can set you free immediately. We serve a God that can snatch you out of darkness immediately. We serve a God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think or imagine. We serve a God that can do stuff on the fast track if he needs to. Hello, somebody. So be careful who you point fingers at and say they're not qualified. God may have already qualified them. Amen. And sometimes it takes unqualified people to reach the unqualified. Amen. He becomes a kinsman redeemer. I'm going to leave that alone. But I want to move down to verse 40 because this is really interesting. This is why we're here. This is what God has given me to share with you guys. Verse 40 is an interesting situation in the fact that there is a leader in the church and the leader has a problem his daughter is about to die. She's 12 years old and there is a problem. There's a problem situation brewing and Jesus comes into the town. Oh, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about your cousin, Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus, son of God. I'm talking about the Messiah. I'm talking about Waymaker. I'm talking about Miracle Worker. I'm talking about the blind can see. I'm talking about the mute can talk. I'm talking about healed. I'm talking about paralyzed people walking again. I'm talking about water walking Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus, King of Glory. I'm talking about Jesus, the Son of living God and he has entered into the town I like y'all already he has entered into the city and Jesus has come into the city to perform a miracle a miracle a miracle and while Jesus is in the city while Jesus is with the the ruler of the synagogue Jairus while Jesus has agreed to actually go to Jairus's house to bring healing to his daughter his only daughter of 12 years old and uninterrupted and un, an un, 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 uninvited interruption happens. Can we say it right? Uh, there is an extra character that was not written into the script that stumbles into the scene. There is this woman. 
If you're taking notes, write down the woman. There is this uninvited guest, this woman. Now, Luke is a physician. And when Luke writes, he writes in great detail. Luke gives a snapshot of the gospel that is so detailed. And there is so much that he covers when he writes. He doesn't miss things. But for some reason, when he introduces us to this situation, he introduces us to this person as a nameless woman. She is just the woman. She is not given a name, okay? She is given just a gender. And first I was upset when I was reading this because I was like, why does she not have a name? But I read in other places where there's not names. And what I, what I found is that this is opportunity for interjection. Sheesh. This is an opportunity for me to put my name and my face in the text. This is an opportunity for me to see myself in this situation. So now it's no longer the woman with the issue, it's Ontario with his issues. It's Don with his issues. It's Sherry with her issues. It's, it's, it's Shaniqua with her issues. Hallelujah. And, and, and not only does he leave this woman nameless, but he also describes her by her issues and her conditions. He says she's a woman with the issue of blood. Now, I need to tell some of you something that you may not know that they didn't tell you when you signed up to be saved and you gave your life to Jesus. Class 101, sometimes when you get saved, some people don't understand it. All they know is what they used to know about you. All they know is that you used to turn up. Hey, 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 hey. All they know is what you used to be. All they know is bottoms up. All they know. It's who you used to be and how you used to act and how you used to carry yourself. So, so when you said yes to Jesus, they didn't get the memo about 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. They didn't get the memo, so some people will address you by your old nature and they will call you by your old issues. But you got to be bold enough to stand up and say, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I used to do. You can't label me and put me and call me something that I used to be. You got to understand something. I'm new in Christ and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Somebody say amen. Ah. Wow. She's nameless and she's got some issues. Uh, 
let's not spend too much time on the woman alone. I want to keep it moving. Let's, let's, let's switch lenses. Let's switch camera lenses if we can. Let's swing from the woman to what I like to call the crowd. Somebody say the crowd. Yeah, the crowd. I need about six good-looking, strong brothers from the most high God. Uh, Jesus saved, delivered, set free. Give me six good-looking brothers just to run up here on the stage real quick. Just six, six. Uh, oh, I got them. I got them. There it is. One, two, three, four, five, six. Come here. Come here. Y'all give my disciples a hand. Give my disciples a hand. Ah. Uh, Hello, you're going to be John, the beloved one. Everybody say, hi, John. Uh, we're going to make you Peter, all right? Yes, upon this rock, we shall build our church. Just be quiet, okay? Uh, you're going to be doubting Thomas. You don't believe nothing. Uh, let's see. Uh, which one you want to be? You choose one. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Judas... I'm sorry. You should have you should have not claimed it. You'd have been <laughs> So these are all my disciples up here, right? And and so the Bible says something that's interesting. It says that the Bible describes this crowd around Jesus that's excited and clamoring to see him perform a miracle as throgging him. Now, when you search the word throg, the word throg means to crush or to press against. That means that these disciples were so close to Jesus. Come close, guys. I, I took a bath. I promise. Come here. I'm married, too. Come on. Come in. So here we go. So the Bible says that the crowd was so close, and these are disciples, so they're going to be closest, okay? You got doubting Thomas who doesn't believe somebody's really needing to be healed. You got Peter who's cussing at everybody and saying, hey, stop touching Jesus. What you doing? Hey, man, don't you make me cut you. So you got all these people, everybody's rolling with Jesus, you know, we're moving and we're going the right way and Judas is already plotting and scheming and he's trying to figure out how to steal the money. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops and says, stop! Somebody touch me. Peter, come here. And the Bible says that Peter stands up and says, who touched you, Lord? I'm sorry. You just messed up my scene. Come on, Peter. We've been together for 24 hours. We ate ice cream together. We sh this should be better. Let's try again. Everyone's touching you. Which is actually an indictment to all of these disciples who are around Jesus. Because what Jesus is really saying is that everyone that's actually touching him is not actually touching him. so glorious they're singing songs around Jesus they're praising 
They're excited. We got revival coming. They're singing songs of praise. They're worshiping. And they're about to go perform a miracle with Jesus. And they're all shoulder to shoulder with him. But yet he indicts them all by saying, who touched me? As if to say that not even the disciples in this moment were touching Jesus. Because Jesus also responds and says something next that's even more of an indictment by saying, someone touched me because I perceive power leaving me. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to spend my life coming to a place like this, living a life called Christianity and having a relationship with Jesus where I actually don't touch him. I don't know about you, but I have made up in my mind that every single time I come into his presence, I'm going to come in with my hands lifted and my mouth filled with praise. Why? Because he's been too good to me for me to shut up and say nothing. Every chance I get, I'm going to touch Jesus. Somebody say, you got to touch him. So thank you, disciples. Y'all give my disciples a hand. How could you be close to him, but not really be touching him? See, ladies and gentlemen, it's better to touch him and have relationship than to be close to him and have religion. Jesus did not die so that we could just be close to him. Jesus did not allow his life to be taken so that we could be around him and look like him and sound like him, but not really embody who he is. Jesus wants you to have relationship with him and he desperately wants you to touch him. Somebody say amen. amen. Move the lens. Let's, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. There is, if you're taking notes, there is the reach. We just left the crowd. Now we're moving to the reach. Now, you got to understand something. This is not a normal reach. It's funny how the Holy Spirit's given me this message. It's different in the way it's being delivered to you in this service. And those of you watching online, this is a different kind of reach. This is a reach that says, if God doesn't fix it, it cannot be fixed. You got to understand this woman had a 12-year issue. An issue that should have lasted just a few days. A few days turns into a few months. A few months turns into a few years. She spent everything she had. She spent all of her savings and her, her, her bank account is totally empty. She spent everything that she has. She, has, she is ceremoniously unclean. So that means that she can't even go into the temple. What do you do when you reach a place where your issues have overtaken your life? What do you do when you got an issue that will not change? This woman does something that all of us should take note of. 
this woman decides because, let me tell you something, when you get low, when you get real low, the most important thing that you can do when you get real low in life, hear me when I say this, is although your heart is low and your posture and your physical position may be low and you may be low in your spirits, keep your ears open. Why, pastor? Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more you keep your ears open, the more that you can rise from the ashes that you sit in. The more that you keep your ears open, the more that God can encourage your spirit and your soul. The more that you keep your ears open and just keep showing up to Kingdom City, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. If you just keep your ears open to what God has to say, eventually something that he says will change your life. Eventually something that he says will pull you up from the place that you're in. Eventually something that he says will cause your faith to rise and revival to release in your life. So she's postured low, but she's got her ears open. I need a keyboard player. And while she's in this posture, she heard about Jesus. She heard that he healed lame men. She, She heard that he walked on water. She heard about the blind man that he healed. She heard about the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. She heard about the centurion soldier. She heard about these great things that this man had done. And she said, just maybe, just maybe, if I could get myself in proximity of this man who was a healer, maybe my issue could have a chance to change like theirs has changed. And the Bible says that she pressed her way through the crowd. And it says that she touched the hem of his garment, which means that she got low. Because what we don't realize is when we really need a breakthrough from God, you can't be high and prideful. You gotta be low and humble. Say, Lord, if you don't save me, I won't be saved. If you don't change me, I won't be changed. If you don't deliver me, I won't be delivered. God, if you don't save my children, they won't be saved. If you don't save my family, they won't be saved. If you don't do it, God, it won't be done. And she reminds me of another woman that I know from back in the States. She had reached hard times. She went through so much in her life. She had her first child at age 13. She was pregnant with the child at age 12. How many of you know that's an issue? She was forced to leave her home when she told her mother that her boyfriend was making advances at her. Instead of the mom putting the man out, she put the girl out pregnant. That's an issue. She went to go stay with other people in the family who set her up on dates with older men who would take her on dates and give her money. How many of you know that's an issue? forced into childhood prostitution that's an issue after she has the child the child is taken by another family member because you can't have a child raise a child because you know that's an issue now she can't go back to school because she's living the street life and she's doing all she can to make ends meet and now she's dating men who abuse her and take advantage of her because this is the way of life that she's gotten used to how many of you know that's an issue 
and she's living, she's living in the streets. She's staying with whoever she can stay with. She's now addicted to crack cocaine. Now she's, she's into prostitution and she's got a drug addiction issue. That's an issue. And at the age of 21, she has another child. Only this time, no one comes to rescue this child from her. She has a real issue. She takes this child by the hand and she walks the streets with him. How many of you know that's an issue? They lived in motels and wherever anybody would want them and have them to stay. How many of you know that's an issue? She would stay with abusive men who would take advantage of her and beat her. But they would give her a warm place to stay so she would do it so her child would have somewhere to stay. How many of you know that's an issue? Still addicted to drugs, it's still an issue. Got in trouble with the police, that's an issue. And finally she reached the end of her road and she gets arrested and she's placed behind bars. How many of you know that's an issue? While she's in jail, preacher was satellited into her prison to talk to her about her issues. And just like this woman with the issue of blood who got low enough and desperate enough, she too reached for Jesus behind bars and Jesus set her free and delivered her and saved her from all of the issues that plagued her life. But that wasn't good enough. She gets out of prison and she's determined to make something out of her issues. So she goes back into the streets that she once worked and she starts rescuing women out of prostitution with her own ministry. She becomes a peer advocate for the state judges and instead of throwing all the women in the same jail and giving them all the same sentence that are found in prostitution, they would do prostitution stings and have her come in as a peer advocate to tell the judges what needed to happen with these women. This woman is making her issues subdue or come under her and now she's going back into the same streets where she had issues and she's helping other women be delivered from their issues too and that boy that she raised the boy that she had to leave when she was in prison with someone who was in a worse condition than she was that boy at this point had been to 16 different elementary schools six different middle schools and three different high schools he had never been in church before he didn't know church church wasn't something he was into but she knew that church was important and she found out the guy that was satellited into her prison started a church in her city so she drags the child to church. Kicking and screaming, she drags the child. Don't want to be there, she drags the child. Forcing him to sit through the services, she drags the child. He started with a drug mom, he ended with a drug mom. His mom drug him. And one day, all that dragging paid off. At the age of 15, the child says, if Jesus is working for my mama, then just maybe, just maybe, he could work for me too. And he gives his life to Jesus and he turns his issues over 
into the hands of God. And today, that woman still goes back out into the streets to rescue women out of prostitution. And she has her own ministry and she's standing on her own two feet. And her story is being heard by millions of people on IamSecond.com. Go check it out when you get a chance. And you'll hear her talk about her son. The child that went to 16 different elementary schools that remembers more crack houses than schoolhouses that begged for food at the local restaurants that that now travels the world as an evangelist telling people about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and how he has the power to set all people free from their issues if they will be desperate enough. Oh, I'm a product of desperation. Here it is. I got a word for somebody. Because of my mother's desperation. Sheesh. I hear you, Holy Spirit. Because of my mother's desperation, her desperation set me up for an invitation to hear revelation that caused elevation in my life. What am I saying? I'm saying, I'm saying to some parent, just model your desperation to your children. Just show them how much God has changed you and set you free. And I promise that seed that you sowed of desperation, that seed of getting low and coming under, that seed of saying, God, without you, I'm nothing. That seed will eventually grow into a tree that will reproduce fruit that may travel the world and tell people about Jesus. What I didn't get to tell the last service is this. When I moved back to Dallas, to accept a position at the man's church who was televised into the prison that preached the gospel to my mother and ministry that led me to Christ too, Bishop T.D. Jakes. The first week I came on the job, listen to this, this will bless you. I took my kids. I took my kids to the restaurant that my mom and I used to have to beg from. I remember the location. It was a Dairy Queen. And I walked in and I let them order whatever they wanted. And I told them the story about grandma's desperation and about daddy's desperation and how one day they will be desperate enough to reach for Jesus too and how God makes all things new. He has the ability to turn your issues into testimonies. But it all happened for my mom. It all happened for me and it all happened for the woman with the issue of blood because She was willing to be desperate. I wonder if there's real desperation in this. I wonder if there's real desperation in this room. I wonder is there real desperation this week as we go into conference. I wonder is there real desperation 
that says, I'm not leaving until you change me. I'm not leaving until you save me. I'm not leaving until you deliver me. I'm not leaving until you save my family. I will lay on my face and I will call out to God and I will reach for God with all that I have until you change everything. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.